You're listening to the weekly sermon of Huntersville Presbyterian Church. We're so glad that you're here and hope that through listening to God's word, you will come away refreshed and renewed for what life has to bring you this week. Here's this week's sermon. Y'all keep talking, it's all good. Hey, but, but before I get started in the message, doesn't the place look great? And a uh, but, bunch of volunteers uh, throughout this week. If you couldn't tell it was Christmas, you now know when you walked in that it is Christmas, and, uh, and we are super, super excited about it. So if you've been with us this year, we have been making our way through the entire Bible. Back on January 1, we started with Genesis 1-1, and in a few weeks, on December 31, we are going to be at Revelation 22-21, and uh, we will have kind of walked, we covered the whole Bible, and we've walked with uh, prophets and kings, and we had Christmas in July, and Easter in September, and and what we've seen along the way over and over and over again is that the entire book, the whole story is the gospel story. The the entire Bible is the good news about Jesus. Now, I promise you, back in January when we started this, I told you to look forward to Christmas because we were going to have Christmas in the book of Revelation. Y'all been excited about that, right? Well, again, if you look around you, it is obviously Christmas time, so that means we are at Revelation. So, you know I love it when you follow along. Go ahead and grab a Bible right now. Easiest book to, well, second easiest book to find, the very last book in the Bible, the uh, book of Revelation. Go ahead and turn to that. Uh, be in chap- we're going to be in chapter 1 and 2 today, so uh, get, get to those first, first couple chapters. Yeah, and, and this is what I've discovered when you talk about Revelation with people. Anybody who even knows just a little bit about the book of Revelation... When the, the first thing that kind of comes to their mind are horsemen and dragons and battles in the sky between forces of good and evil and there are stars falling from the heavens and the enemy gets cast into this fiery lake of fire and all that's in the book. And if you hang around after worship, we're going to have a class this Sunday and next Sunday combining our classes and we're going to get into all of those images and, and talk about, about some of that. But what a lot of people miss is that the book of Revelation is actually this incredible book of encouragement, this incredible book that gives us this glimpse into the very throne room of heaven. It's this incredible book that reminds us again and again that no matter what may be going on in the world or what might be going on in your life this Christmas, that God is in control, and in the end, he has the last words, And he makes all things new. It's just this amazing book. And so what we're going to do, we're going to spend the next few weeks walking through the book. Uh, Here's how the book came to be. Uh, And sometime around uh, 65 AD, the Roman emperor Nero, Nero's the one who fiddled when Rome, y'all know his story, fiddled when Rome was burning. Nero, Nero expels all the Christians from Rome And among those was Jesus' disciple John. And John gets exiled to this little island in the Aegean Sea. So that doesn't sound so bad to get exiled to a Greek island. And uh, the island of Patmos. And while John is on the island, he receives this incredible revelation. And the revelation has all those images about uh, about dragons and horsemen and scrolls. and, and, And we'll cover a lot of that. But, but, but this, this book that, that John receives, it also has those words of encouragement and that glimpse into heaven. 
And, and it begins, uh, it begins in kind of a curious way. It begins with seven letters that Jesus wrote uh, directly, that Jesus himself wrote directly and gave this revelation to John to seven churches in what was called in Asia Minor, uh, what today is Turkey. If you've got your Bible open, look at verse 11. Jesus says this to John. Jesus says, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Myrna, Pergium, uh, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And, and in these seven letters, you see what you see in a lot of the book. There's encouragement, there's affirmation, there's also some warning and correction and promises that are made. And, and what I've discovered over the years as I've read these letters is that while they were a word speaking directly to those seven churches then, th these are words that just speak so clearly to the church today. So we're going to start looking at Revelation by looking at the very first one of those letters. It's the letter written to the church in Ephesus, and it begins in Revelation chapter 2 in the very first verse. So again, you know, I love it when you follow along with me. Revelation 2, verse 1, invites you to listen. This is the word of God. Jesus says to John, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. I know that you cannot tolerate evildoers and you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them to be false. I also know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for the sake of my name and that you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then that from which you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this is to your credit. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To everyone who conquers, I will give permission to eat from the tree of life that is in the paradise of God. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we un unpack your word this morning, would you open our hearts to truths that you would teach us, truths that from this letter written to a church seven, uh, 2,000 years ago, uh, we might be able to apply to our lives in this church and, and in our lives this Christmas. Lord, open our hearts to what you want to show us, for we pray that all in Jesus' name, and for his glory alone. Amen. Remember when you first fell, I mean, you remember when you first fell in love. Remember that? Those of you have been in love? Husbands, I'll raise your hand right now, okay? Just, it'll, it'll go better for you later. Remember, you remember that, feel, that kind of falling in love feeling? Uh, here's the big idea I want you to take home with you today. You can recapture your first love. You can recapture your first love love. And we see how to do that in, in this letter that is written to Ephesus. So we're just going to walk through the letter and, and, and do it kind of verse by verse. Ephesus was on the west coast, again, of what today is Turkey, 
Re- it wasn't the capital, but a really, really important city. Uh, it's kind of like Charlotte. I mean, it's a city of business and commerce. A lot of stuff happened in Ephesus. We see Ephesus shows up a lot in the Bible. You read the book of Acts. You see how the gospel first came to Ephesus. Um, Paul, who, who founded the church, talked about Paul a lot. Uh, Paul later wrote a letter to the Ephesians. A few weeks ago, if you, you were here, we, we spent three weeks looking in, in that letter. And remember, we learned that our past doesn't determine our future and that what we are called to do is to watch what God does and, and follow his example. And we talked about being battle-ready by, by putting on the, the full armor of God. Uh, later, Paul would uh, send a young uh, guy that he would apprentice uh, named Timothy to Ephesus, and Paul wrote two letters to Timothy while Timothy was serving in Ephesus. So Ephesus just shows up a lot in the Bible. We know a lot about the church, and we get a little more here uh, in this letter that, that was written. Uh, so walk through it this way. Yeah, verse 1. To the angel in the church of Ephesus write, in the church of Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now, a couple quick notes. All the letters, all of these seven letters are written to the angel in the church. And it's just a reminder to us, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, we live in a very real physical world but there is just as real of a spiritual world going on all around us. And so this letter is written to the angel over that church in that city. All that, that's taking place. Jesus refers to himself as the one who holds the, the seven stars and the one who walks among the seven lampstands. And the lampstands are these seven churches. And, and it's just a reminder that from the very beginning, part of the purpose of the church, part of why Jesus created the church, part of why we're here today is to reflect his light, to shine his light like a lampstand into the darkness. And so Jesus refers to the churches as the seven lampstands. And then what you discover is every one of the letters follows the same pattern. And, and you do this in conversation sometimes. It starts with a compliment. Hey, here's what you're doing right. And then it moves on to say, you know, but there, there are a few things that you are doing wrong. So here's what you might want to do to fix that. And here's the promise of what will happen if you do. And, and all of the letters follow the same pattern. So here's what's going right in Ephesus. Look at verse 2. Jesus says, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance. I know that you cannot tolerate evildoers. Later it mentions the Nicolaitans, and, uh, and that was just kind of the splinter group that had some wacky ideas. And Jesus says, you can't tolerate all that, all the bad teaching. He says, I know you can't tolerate evildoers. You've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, found them to be false. I also know that you're enduring patiently and bearing up for the sake of my name and that you have not grown weary. So you get this picture. This is a great church. I mean, there is great stuff going on. People are learning to follow the Jesus way. They're learning to live and love and give and forgive the way that Jesus did. They're, they're loving their neighbors. They're bringing Thanksgiving at Turkey and shoeboxes at Christmas and angels at Christmas, you know, getting angels off their angel tree. And we'll talk about that more later. I mean, th- this is a great church. They're doing such good stuff and they're standing firm in their doctrine. I mean, they, they, they see the false teaching and they won't, they won't compromise. They're standing so firm. And even when things get hard, the economy's slow, and, uh, and, and ministry is tiring, and the work they're doing, I mean, they're, they, they're not giving up. They're patiently enduring. They just keep going. This is a great church. So much that is going well. 
They just have one problem. Look at verse 4. Just one problem. Jesus says, it's a big one. Jesus says, but this I have against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. But this I have against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. They lost their first love. They're doing all the right things, but they've lost their love for Jesus. There's this great passage earlier in the New Testament, uh, uh, Paul writing to another church, one in Corinth, Greece. And, and Paul said this, you, you know this verse, it shows up a lot in weddings. That's in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, Paul writes, he says, if I speak in human or angelic tongues, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, nothing. And if I give all I possess to the poor, and I give my body over to hardship, so that I might boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Jesus, Jesus says to Ephesus, listen, you're doing all the right things. You're standing firm in your faith. You're doing so, so well. But you've got this problem. You've forgotten your first love. And without love, none of that matters. It, it just doesn't matter. Now, here's what I've discovered. And, and I, I've found this to be true for those of us who follow Jesus for a long, long time. It is so easy to lose that first love. So easy to lose our love for Jesus. And, and this is what I found kind of curious as, as we head to the Christmas season. That, that even at Christmas, when everything around us is pointing toward Jesus, towards, you know, the, and the malls they're singing about his birth. But even at Christmas, we have this tendency to lose our first love. Remember when you were a kid, how, how you approached, remember Christmas when you were a kid? Anybody, nod your head, just let me know you're with me. Remember Christmas when you were a kid, how excited you'd get? Just how thrilled you were about everything? Uh, we were with our grandkids recently, had a chance to be with all of them, and uh, they're, they're around four now, and so they're at the age where they're starting, it's all starting to click in their heads, and they're starting to make sense of it, but they, it's all new to them. And so they are absolutely, I mean, they are excited about Christmas. They are filled with wonder and, and excitement. And they're excited about all the, you know, the, the kind of commercial stuff. I mean, they're, they're pretty, you know, ha happy about Santa and presents and trees and all that kind of stuff. But they're excited about the real Christmas story, too. And, and you start talking to them about shepherd, uh, angels appearing in a dark sky to a bunch of shepherds and just filling the sky with hallelujah. I mean, their eyes get real big. And, and they love to, to hear the story about how Mary and Joseph, you know, arrive in Bethlehem, and Joseph had forgotten to make reservations, and so they don't have a room. And, and, and I mean, they, they, they play that with their, their, their little figures. They just love doing that. And how these kings got on camels. They like, my grandsons love camels. And, uh, and, and how they followed a star to find the baby. And, and they love to sing Christmas carols. Oh, my God. Gosh, they love to sing Christmas. They sing them really, really loud. Sing them with a lot of joy. And uh, they, I took our, we took our grandsons on this long, long hike the other day, and we sang "Joy to the World" all the way to the top of this mountain. 
he only knows like the chorus. So he sang it over and over and over and over again, I mean, as loud as he could, all the way up the mountain. And, uh, but I mean, that's what they do because there's this, there's this, it's, there's this wonder and, and, and this excitement and this joy. I mean, it really is. It's all new to them. It's good news of great joy, and they're so excited about it. But then we grow up. And, and we, we know the story, right? Mary's got, an angel's going to show up, and Mary's going to have a baby, and he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And I mean, it's the same story every year. Some years I'm tempted to switch it up, and Mary's going to have twins or something just to kind of make it fresh. But, I mean, it's the same story. We hear it year after year after year. We've heard it since we were kids. And so we start to imagine, I know the story. I mean, we'll still sing the songs. We're singing them this morning. But we, some of them, especially the carols, we know so well, we don't even hear the words we're singing. We're, we're just saying them. Nothing, none of it's new. And it's a good thing it's not new because we really, if we're on, we don't have time for anything new, do we? I mean, there's a lot to be done. We've got decorating. We've got guests to prepare for. I've got to get a gift for Aunt Jessie. Uh, I mean, there's baking to be done and shopping. I mean, there's just so many things on my to-do list. I don't have time for anything new. And, and, and this is what's crazy. Again, we're, it's Christmas season. Everything's pointing to Jesus. And yet I get real busy. And I get distracted by, by all the things that I've got to get done. And besides, I mean, I know the story. You know the story. I mean, we say it year after year. I mean, there's nothing new about it. And, and you just start to take it for granted. And, and I'm convinced that when that happens, well, I, you know, kind of apologies to the righteous brothers, you begin to lose that love and feeling. Wow. You can't quote scripture, but you can quote the righteous brothers. That's great. Um, <laughs> We, we've lost that feeling, that, that, that kind of excitement. Our, our grandkids, I was thinking about this the other day, our grandkids are so excited about, we were talking to my granddaughter on the phone, uh, so excited about baking a birthday cake for Jesus. We've been doing this with their, their, their moms since they were little kids. And so they're so jacked up about, you know, so excited about making Jesus a birthday cake. And then, you know, they leave a slice of the birthday cake for Santa. But uh, they make Jesus, and in case you were wondering, uh, Jesus favorite cake is Funfetti, and uh, a lot of people don't know that. It's, uh, it's in Revelation. And, uh, but, but we lose that. I mean, they still have that loving feeling, but we lose that loving feeling. And again, it can happen throughout the year. I mean, it happens every time we get too busy. It happens any time we take our faith for granted. And, and we're just kind of going through the motions. But it always kind of surprises me how it, it even happens at Christmas. But there, there's a solution, and, uh, and, and Jesus gives it in this letter to the Ephesians. Um, look at verse 5. If you've lost that loving feeling, verse 5, here, here's, here's the key. Here's what you do. Remember then from which you have fallen, repent, and do what you did at first. Remember then from what you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. Remember, re remember how before Jesus you were so worried and you were so anxious all the time. But then he came and he replaced that worry and anxiety with hope and peace and joy. Remember? 
Repent. Repent. Repent's just a Bible word that means change your mind. I mean, quit going that direction. Start going back in this direction. Put Jesus back in the first position. Put him at the center of all the right things you're doing. They're good things. Just got to put Jesus back at the center of it all. And then return. Do the things you did at first. And, and here's what I've discovered. The, the first and the last, the remember and the return, are actually really closely linked together. Because when I do the things I did at first, that's when I begin to remember. So let me tell you what I'm doing this Christmas, and, and maybe this encourage you to think about doing, doing some of this this Christmas. Uh, because I'm as guilty as anybody. I, I can get busy and distracted with stuff going on here at church and stuff going on with our family. That uh, Again, I'm just like, you know, when I'm telling you all this, I'm just singing the songs without even thinking about it. And I, and I get so busy, and I don't want to do that this Christmas. I, I don't want to miss my first love. I don't want to miss that love of Christmas and that love of Jesus. So, so here's what I'm doing this this year. Uh, one of the things I did is I uh, added an Advent devotion to my daily reading. And I, uh, for those of you who do the online reading, I invite you to do that with me. And, uh, and a bunch of you are doing that. And I'm still making my way through the whole Bible. And those of you who have been doing that, man, you're doing awesome. We're almost done. And, uh, but we, so it just, it, it was a couple more minutes that I had to spend in the morning to put into my quiet time. But I found uh, I just really needed to give those couple of more minutes and just a couple of more minutes to just sort of center myself again in the Christmas story it just starts my day better. And, and so I decided that, that, that I wanted to add that back, back into my schedule. Uh, made a decision this year. Kim, Kim and I talked about this. We, we've got an Advent wreath at home. It's not as big as this one. Uh, ours fits, on, you know, fits on, on our kitchen table. And I'll be really honest. I mean, particularly after our kids grew up, I mean, a lot of years it's just a Christmas decoration. But, but this year I said, you know, we've got that Advent wreath out, and, and we've got some great Advent devotionals that we're going to use. I mean, we're going to make a commitment that for as many meals as possible uh, over the next month, we're going to light the candle and read the devotion together, because we want to really immerse ourselves in that, in that Christmas story. And, and as we want to encourage you, and we want to resource you to do the same. I was so excited about this when I saw them. Uh, some of the families, if you've got young kids at home, we, hopefully you've already gotten one of these. These are an Advent experience box. And we tried to give them to all the families with young kids in the church. If you didn't get one, go to the welcome desk after the service, and we'll try to get you connected with one. We've, we've got a few more that are left. And inside is everything you need. It's got a devotion book and, I mean, every piece that you need to make your own Advent wreath so you can do, do this at home. And for parents with a little bit older kids, we got one of these boxes of Advent cards, and it's got activities and questions that are centered around uh, hope, joy, peace, and love. And, uh, and so the, the, we've got some of these available. For, if you didn't get one, again, go by the welcome desk, and we'll, we'll try to get you one. It's, it's just it's taking time to immerse yourself into the story. And, and if you don't have kids at home, I mean, you know, there's so many resources online. I mean, you can join that version plan. Email me if, if you, you know, aren't part of it or help you find one. And, and you may already have books or things that you use for, for Advent. I just want to encourage you to actually use them. Don't let them just be decorations this year. You know, things you set out because it's part of tradition. It looks good. I mean, you actually use the tools to help immerse yourself in the story. And, and we went ahead this year, and, and there, we got a bunch of these at the welcome desk, too. It's a great little Advent devotion uh, called Love Came Down at Christmas. And if you want to just, if you need something to hold in your hand and you don't like reading on your phone, just go by the welcome desk and we'll give you one of these to be able to do. I mean, that's, so one of the things I'm doing this year is I'm just trying to really immerse myself in the Christmas story. 
And I know it. I mean, I, I, I preach it. I mean, I know the story, but I want to really kind of read it again. And, and I, you, you might want to kind of do, do the same. Uh, another thing I'm doing is uh, uh, we, we have an angel tree every year as a church, and I watch some of you coming in. You're already taking off your angels. I've already, Tim, I already got our angel and uh, got, got it covered. The, uh, and we do this every year, and this year, the gifts from our angel tree, this is so cool. We're, we're, we're collecting gifts that we're going to put together on the 17th. I'll say more about that in a little bit, too. On the 17th, though, we're having a birthday party for Jesus, and we're going to wrap all the gifts that we bring in, and they're going to neighbors over in Pottstown, right, right here behind us. And so super, super excited about that. But, and, and we do this every year and always take an angel. But I decided this year I really wanted to make it personal. And so in, in addition to, what am I supposed to get? Fleece, throw, grip socks for a man, and a small flashlight. I think that's why I picked this one because I like flashlights. And uh, the, uh, in addition to that, I'm going to get a card and I'm going to write a personal note. Jesus came for people, not programs. And, and I need to remember that sometime. And so I'm going to write a personal note just wishing them a Merry Christmas and reminding them of the gift of Jesus. And, and you know, maybe you do that. I mean, get an angel. For sure, get an angel. And we'll write some notes that day at the birthday party as well. But maybe you just want to write a note out to somebody and, and telling them you're praying for them as they receive this gift. And you know, make it personal. Again, Jesus came for people, not, not for programs. And, uh, and so look, look for a, a way to be able to, to do that. Uh, and, and one other thing you, you might consider doing, invite someone to join you in, in our Christmas celebration. Just invite someone to come, come with you. This surprises people sometimes. The, right now, your unchurched friends and neighbors and classmates and coworkers, maybe even family members, they are more open to an invitation. They're more open to hear you talk about Jesus right now than they are any other time of the year. Way, way more. So, in fact, some of them are waiting for you to invite them to come be a part of this. I, I love to tell this story. Year, years ago, I was a chaperone on an overnight fourth grade field trip. And um, late in the middle of the night, we're, we're kind of up to keep watch over the kids. And I'm talking with one of the other dads, and uh, Murdad. And uh, Murdad and I are just talking for a while. And eventually, the subject got around to faith. And, and Murdad acknowledged, he said, you know, Doug, if I had to check a box, I'd check Muslim, but we don't really practice anything. And, and then he added, but we don't miss being at your place on Christmas Eve. Wouldn't miss that for anything in the world. You, I mean, you have no idea how open your unchurched, people that you think are as far from God as could possibly be, how open they are to an invitation right now. And I'm convinced there's someone in your life, and it might be a neighbor, it might be a friend, it might be someone you go to school with or work with, might even be a member of your family that is waiting for you to invite them this Christmas. And, and it changed everything. Here's a big idea. This is what I want you to kind of take away. This is what I'm trying to do this Christmas. I encourage you to think about doing this. I'm trying to immerse myself in the Christmas story itself. I mean, just in any way that I can. And to, to do what Mary did and, and just kind of ponder the story in my heart. What does it mean for me? To do what shepherds did and tell everyone you can about this good news of great joy that you discovered. To do what the wise men did and not miss any opportunity to worship. 
Because I know if I will do those things I did at first, that I will recapture my first love. And it is possible, if you've lost that loving feeling, it's possible for you to recapture that first love this Christmas. You see, this is just the truth. You were made to be loved. You You were made to be loved, first and foremost, by God. And Christmas, at its very heart, is a love story. It's a story that, that's filled, and, and when you recapture that first love, you, you start to recapture that, that love story that, that's filled with beauty and majesty and a lot of mystery. But, but, but it's a love story about a God who so loved you. Let that sink in for a moment. He so loved you that he set aside the glory of heaven to wrap himself in frail human flesh to come to you so that he could replace your fear with hope and your disappointment with joy and your anxiety with peace so that he could shine his light into your darkness. And if you've lost that loving feeling, or, or maybe you've never experienced it. I, I just can't think of a better time than Christmas than, than to receive it or, or to recapture it. If you don't, if you don't, Jesus says down in verse 6, says, if you don't, I'll come and I'll remove your lampstand. That doesn't sound good. But, but it's the truth. Without that love, you can't reflect his light into the world. And, and then he get, ends with an invitation, ends the letter with an invitation and a promise. So look at verse 7 one more time. He says, let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To everyone who conquers, I will give permission to eat from the tree of life that is in the paradise of God. The tree of life goes back to where we were in January, to the creation story when we were in the garden. And it looks ahead to where we're going to be in a few weeks when all creation is restored, is restored. And God gathers us from east and west and north and south. And we eat from the tree of life at the great banquet table of our Lord. And every time we come to this table, we, we do so anticipating that feast. And, and we come here and we remember. We remember that on the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it and gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat, this is my body for you. And we remember Remember how after dinner he took a cup and he poured it out and he said this cup is a new covenant, a new promise made in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. We remember 
how in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup, we proclaim our Lord's death and our desperate need for it until that day that we will gather at that banquet feast and eat from the tree of life in the kingdom of God. We come here and we remember. As you come to the table today, let me invite you to do the step in between as well and repent. Again, not to repent in terms of anything other than to say, this Christmas is going to be different. This Christmas, I'm not going to get all distracted by all the busyness. This, this Christmas, I'm not going to take the story for granted. This Christmas, I'm, I'm going to immerse myself in this incredible love story of a God who would have his body broken and his blood shed for me. But make the decision as you come. See, at this table, we remember how deeply we are loved. In this table, we return to do the things we did at first, to do what Jesus' followers have been doing since the very beginning, taking bread and cup, simple, everyday, ordinary things we have around the house, and using them to remind us of the extraordinary love that's at the heart of the Christmas story. And when we do, well, that's when we recapture our first love. So would you pray with me? Lord, as we prepare to come to the table, we'd ask you to take these ordinary elements, this bread, cups of juice. Lord, use them in extraordinary ways to help us remember, to help us remember just how deeply we are loved. Lord, we, we don't want to lose our love this Christmas, our, our love for you and, and your love for us. And so here as we do the things we did at first. Lord, we repent and we remember. And we do it all in Christ's name. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Huntersville Presbyterian Church. Here at HPC, we believe that life is better with Jesus because Jesus makes us better at life. If you're looking for a church to call home, we would love to share his life with you. To learn more about us, or if you'd like to give online, visit huntersvillepres.org.